what happens is we don't work on it and then someone comes to the house and we end up locking the dog in a back room or doing something where we're totally avoiding solving the problem and then it gets worse and worse and worse. Welcome back and thank you for joining us on Honest to Dog Podcast. I'm your host Liz and with me my co-host Jeff Gadway. (laughs) Hey, shh, that's enough. (laughs) So what are we talking about today, Jeff? We're talking about barking. Yeah. Barking in the house. Because I get so many questions about barking and clients are always looking for solutions. What do I do? Why is it happening? It's a perfect topic to discuss today and cover all of it. So I've got a, I got a question for you. Okay. How many times out of 10 when a client comes to you with challenges around their dogs, how many times out of 10 would you guesstimate that barking is among their biggest problems? Oh my gosh. It pretty much, it's always pulls on leash, barks at the doorbell when people come over and jumps up on people. Those are probably the most common. And then what ends up happening is people stop inviting people over mm. or they stop taking their dogs on walks because they're like, oh, it's such a problem. Like I'll just avoid it altogether. It's a ripple effect. Yeah. And then it only intensifies and gets worse. And then that's when they call me. Yeah. I think <laughs> the way the way you described it, it pulls on leash, barking, jumping up. I know before every group class that you do, you go through all the application forms and you list out what people's top concerns are. And, and that sounds like without a doubt, the most common set of challenges that you face. So barking is is definitely a, a big problem with your clients, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I always do predictions too with that. When I go through their forms, I'm like, okay, what, what do I think is going on here? Just based on a piece of paper and the information they provide me. Um, and usually I'm pretty accurate. <laughs> well, I think for the purpose of today's conversation, we did a little bit of brainstorming with our producer, Tim, ahead of time. And what we thought we could do is talk about three key instances where people seem to have challenges with their dog barking and break each one down, unpack it, talk about what some of the causes might be and some specific steps they could take to curb that behavior. And maybe what some of the consequences might be if they don't address those behaviors. Are you up for that challenge? Yeah, I love it. Cool. So let's start with maybe the most common one. Um, We surveyed 100 people. (laughs) Top answers on the board for (laughs) when people have challenges with barking. Uh, Survey says. Uh, Is it doorbells? Ding, ding, ding. Doorbells. Yes. Big cause of barking. When it comes to barking at the door, what really is the driver of that? Is the barking a problem in and of itself or is the barking a symptom of something else? We identified the trigger. The trigger is the doorbell. Um, And then they want to look into why is the dog doing it. Dogs live in our homes and they don't have a job, right? And so they'll take a job upon themselves. And sometimes that job is to alert you of things. They hear on the door. And what's funny is we have Baker and Ty here and they didn't even flinch when I did that. But most of the time the door, someone knocks or rings the doorbell and dogs go running and barking and it's at a high intensity and they don't know when to stop or how to stop. You look at this dog's state of mind. Are they anxious about someone coming to the door? Does the human feel anxious, maybe frustrated um, that the dog is barking? What ends up happening is the human will probably respond with, that's enough, shut up, right? And, and yell, bark back, really, in a sense. And so the dog goes, oh my gosh, you're tense about someone being at the door too. They don't go, you're mad at me. They, they internalize it and think about it as, oh my gosh, now my human is barking and at the same level of intensity as me. And so we got to keep this thing outside and not coming through our front door. Does that make sense? It makes sense. 
So when dogs bark in response to the doorbell or somebody knocking at the door, do you think it's that the dog is maybe excited to see the person or surprised by the noise, you know, when they're just lying on their on their bed? Or is it really more a reaction to the human's response to the doorbell? I know oftentimes when somebody knocks at the door and I'm not expecting it, or even if I am expecting it, I immediately jump up, I rush to the door. And so my energy is a little bit more frantic than calm, relaxed energy. And so the dogs are really just reacting to my energy more so than the actual stimulus in the doorbell itself. 100% because initially they were probably just surprised. Dogs aren't used to things like doorbells or knocks on the door. Um, so they probably did just an initial whoop, right? What was that? An alert. Yeah. Um, but over time, they've started to learn that this makes my person really freak out. And if, like, I can relate to that. I um, I don't like when someone comes to the door and I don't know. So, like, my friends you know. hide under the couch, yeah, practically. Yeah, pretty much. I am shaking in my boots. So my friends know, like, to text me and be like, yo, I see your car, your home, idiot, it's me. 100% I am aware that I am giving off the wrong energy for my dogs. What you need to do is is check that energy. How do I feel? right? Um, and plan for it. And the biggest thing is work on it. If that's something that you know, when you're put in the moment, your energy isn't going to be right. Do what I call dress rehearsals, practice runs. So setting it up and have your dogs chilling in the living room. I like to do doorbell drills with place. And so whether it's our dogs or other dogs are staying with us, we just don't want that to be a problem, um, the excessive barking. And so um, I'll knock on something and, and even pretend someone's there. Hello. Yeah. Come on in. We're in here. And the dogs might look a little bit uns unsure, but if they start to bark, just address it. No, no, thank you. And make sure they're still staying on their place and then just repeat, repeat, repeat. And, and knowing that without the pressure of someone waiting for you at the front door takes away a lot of that frantic energy. And so we can take our time and I can, I can know that, okay, even if you were to go outside and ring the doorbell a couple of times, the dogs might get off the bed and rush to the front door. I still have time to slow down, go reset it and take my time. If you are having company come over, let them know in advance, this is something we're working on. Please be patient or put a sign up on your front door that says our dogs are in training. It may take me a few minutes to answer the door. We don't take that time though when we're caught in the moment and we just answer the door and let the person in and our dog has never learned calm associations with the doorbell, calm associations when someone's coming in and out of the house. Because really, if you think about it, in nature for our dogs, a pack is just set up and they all stay together and nobody leaves and nobody new really comes in. It's just its own thing. Or if someone does come in, it is a threat. It is a threat to the pack dynamic. And so they have to reassess that energy and that flow and that hierarchy. So we're, we put them in our lives, in our homes, and we're just like, no, people come in and out all the time. And this is just, just go with the flow and we expect them to learn. But you have to train them and set them up for success. So if the typical response to somebody knocking on the door is the human jumping up, the dogs rushing towards the door, barking incessantly, the human trying to open the door and like keep their dogs back with their foot yeah, or their arm. they're always like holding the collar. Yeah, He's like, okay. He's friendly. If this sounds like a familiar occurrence for anybody who's listening, either current or, or past scenario, describe to me what you believe the ideal scenario would be when the doorbell rings. Walk me through kind of step by step what it should look like, what it should feel like for the human, for the dog. I would say make this a training event. 
um, either use someone as part of your family to ring the doorbell for you or a, hire a trainer or your next door neighbor. I encourage people to bribe them with wine. Be like, you can drink wine on my front porch while we work through this for an, half an hour um, and, and set the expectation of this it might take some time. And so have the dog on leash. The dog goes to run to the door. You can step on that leash or pick it up, move them away. Even if you don't want to use place necessarily and you just want the dog to learn a boundary of the front foyer a lot of the time people have like um a banister and you could put the leash hooked there and and ask the dog for a sit um or lie down or even just stay and move towards the door if they get out of it go back calm them down right and really really i'm not looking at the behavior of holding a sit or a stay like the position of the body i am looking for a change in the state of mind because if i open the door and the dog's in an excited state they're going to continue with barking they're going to jump up on the human it's going to kick off again so i need to make sure it's slow it's calm and it will take a long time the first couple experiences um, and then it'll get easier and easier for your dog all you're trying to do is teach them that or the doorbell or opening and closing the door is no big deal. It's not something to get crazy over, but we haven't done enough repetitions of it not being stressful yet with our dogs. So do that, do that. If you did that like five times or 10 times every day for an entire week, you would see success. You would see it, it diminish with your dog. What happens is we don't work on it and then someone comes to the house and we still don't work on it, we end up locking the dog in a back room or doing something where we're totally avoiding solving the problem. And then it gets worse and worse and worse. Something that I saw you do just to further unpack your desensitizing the dog is thinking about breaking it down into steps. I saw you do this with a client and it really kind of blew my mind. There was a couple living in a condo building and you had me come because I'd never met the dog before. And what you did was you said, okay, first we're going to start with desensitizing to the, the dog to the knock. So I just stood outside the door and would knock on the door and the dog would run to the door and, and whatever. And it, you started kind of making that no big deal. And then it was having the owner open the door and the dog would, that would be the trigger point. And then you desensitize that and that was no big deal. Then it was me walking through and then it was me starting to talk to the owner of the, the condo. Each of those things went from being a trigger point for the barking behavior to no big deal. And once we strung all those things together, and it might've taken half an hour or 45 minutes, the entire interaction from start to finish was no big deal. Yeah, I remember that too. And that was a dog that was really, really um, reactive to strangers um, coming in the home. And yeah, so that was really a sensitive dog who needed to learn to trust the humans, like his owners, to, to be relaxed. He didn't have to be in protective mode. If your dog doesn't respect you to give you space, and space equals respect in the dog's world, they're going to want to control that initial greeting with whoever's coming in your, in your house because it's the pack leader that assesses new energy. It's the pack leader that says yes or no, you can or cannot come in. And so if our dog is trying to take that position and we're just holding them back and haven't conditioned them to, no, you don't need to be a part of this. Right. You can give space and be respectful. I've got this under control. And that's the thing that, again, any behavior problem that we're seeing with our dogs, it's because there is a lack of either loyalty, trust, or respect. Door raise a lot of the time, it's trust and respect. Got it. Okay, great. So we've talked extensively about doorways. Let's move on to the second scenario where dogs 
often have challenges with barking, looking out the window. They're watching squirrel TV, watching the world go by. Um, You know, we see this a lot on our walks in the neighborhood where we're walking by (gasps) with our dogs and there will be a a dog at the window just barking, barking, barking its head off. Um, Their human may be home, may not be home. Um, Talk about, you know, what the underlying cause of of barking at the window might be. And then we'll talk about how we can address. So when I see that on walks, my heart just kind of breaks a little bit because I just look and I go, oh man, that is that dog is so bored. That dog is so, so bored that they don't have anything else to do that they've taken it upon themselves to be neighborhood watch. That they're sticking their head out the window and they're like, I see you squirrel. I see you old lady taking your garbage out. I see you other dogs on walks and I'm super jealous of you. They're triggered by excitement because they're just looking through a window. They don't, they can't use their nose. And so they're just finding a way to entertain themselves. Ah, I see. A lot of the time that probably does happen when humans aren't home, they're left their dog, um, just have free roam of the house. No one is there to disagree with the behavior. And so it's just going to perpetuate itself. And especially too, if a dog is barking at other people on walks, and they're walking past on the sidewalk, and they bark, 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 and then the people leave. They're like, ha, it worked. I got ah, rid of that bad so person. So it's reinforcing mm-hmm. the behavior. Okay. Really, the solution to this problem is walk your dogs. Give them lots of exercise to get rid of that energy. Because if energy doesn't have a place to go, dogs will find a, somewhere to get rid of it and release it. Barking is a fantastic way. They could just bark for days. They're like, ah, I found my voice. This is the song of my people. I'm going to serenade the street with it. And they're like, this is, I found, I found my purpose. Do you think it's a misconception that dogs barking at the window are doing so out of a protective nature? Like this person walking by is encroaching on my domain, my territory. I am, I am scaring them off. Or is that really just again, a story that we tell ourselves, oh, that's just my dog, you know, protecting or or whatever, when really the underlying cause is lack of boundaries and lack of physical stimulation. And so that energy has to go somewhere. They're both the same thing. Okay. Right? Because if you're not fulfilling your dog, giving them exercise, physical and mental stimulation, then they're going to have energy for days that's pent up. They're going to find a job to do and a purpose. And because we haven't delegated it, we are not their pack leader. And so they do become territorial of, oh, this is my space. This is my domain. Let's turn to how we could curb that behavior. What I've heard already you say is, you know, number one with a bullet, make sure your dog has had ample physical activity to drain its energy so that it doesn't have to find another outlet, i.e. barking out the window, to expend that energy. So let's say you've you've done that first and foremost. Where do we go from there to make sure that, that this behavior stops? Yeah, so that's just emptying the gas tank for the dog's energy level. But the other part of it is if it's become habit for the dog, they're going to still go to look to do that. Right. So when the dog goes to bark out the window, one, I wouldn't even just allow the dog to just chill at a spot where they have this vantage point because they're going to be distracted. They're going to want to fall back to that habit. Um, So setting a boundary around, like if you have a door that's got windows all through it and your dog just wants to stand there. Again, that's boredom, but give them something else to do. So set boundaries in the house. Um, So if you can predict it, you can prevent it. So then you don't have to interrupt a behavior. You're just not allowing it to start. So telling your dog to go lie on their bed or hang out in their crate after their walk so that they 
don't have that opportunity is really, really good. That's kind of what we do with our dogs is where their bed is positioned. It's not in a really, really clear spot for them to just stare and gaze and fixate and obsess. Two, if the behavior happens, so say we miss that opportunity and the dog hears something or goes to check out, look out the window, sees something, starts kicking off. The next step would be to calmly go over and, and I actually say thank you, like, because I know that we have sensitive dogs and it's in their nature, like a sensitive dog, their purpose is to alert you of things. That sensitivity is a blessing and a curse um, and just not letting it get out of hand. So setting a limitation. So the dog barks and you go over and you look and you go, yeah, you're right. There's the mailman. Thank you. And now you can leave. So you've acknowledged it and the dog goes, whew, okay, she knows she's not worried about it and actually she's told me i can i don't have to be concerned and i can just wander off right and again avoiding the the yelling back at the dog um because you're just barking back and then they're gonna bark back with more intensity like you're not paying attention to me i said there's a creepy man outside yeah yeah um so you want to just just pay them that respect and be like okay and then that's enough so something that i'm hearing you say is that we also need to be a little bit understanding of our dogs, especially if it's a back of the pack dog or a sensitive dog. Maybe it's not appropriate to have an expectation that the dog never barks. Because I think about Carmen, she would let out like one or two woofs to kind of let us know someone was there. But then, you know, once we said thank you, the expectation was to your point, okay, we acknowledge you're sounding the alarm. Thank you. That's good. And then the barking stopped right yeah. so 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 i guess what i'm getting at is you know we need to be we need to be gentle with our dogs to a certain extent and like making no noise is maybe not a realistic expectation for some dogs or some breeds so long as it's within respectable limitations or boundaries even as a trainer i myself am not like no barking ever i think that a dog Barking can be a really good deterrent against burglars sure. um, and stranger danger and all of that stuff. It can be really effective and useful. Um, again, to think, consider our dogs, they have no jobs. They're staying at home. I do genuinely feel that dogs feel like they go, okay, you provide for me so many things. What can I do for you? <laughs> um, that That's a really good thing. Because I thought that with Carmen, because Carmen, I don't know if it made a difference, but Carmen grew up in Mexico and a lot of street dogs in Mexico are given food and shelter for protecting a home. So they're still kind of like a stray mutt and they just hang around one house where they they get fed in return for being protection for the home right and then when we brought her home and she was living at our house and i was just like you know what i'm gonna let you have this but yeah we're gonna set limitations around it you can bark but only to this mount like two three barks that's it and then you gotta relax and carmen had a good deep bark even though she was like a 35 40 pound dog 37 yeah she um sounded really big and so i really i liked that deep bark yeah baker's chihuahua bark is just ear piercing it's horrible <laughs> yeah, yeah um and ties is like medium range like he's not going to fool anybody that he's a german shepherd but carmen definitely did oh yeah yeah definitely all right let's talk about our third and final scenario 
which is barking at the TV. So uh, I think sometimes this could be, you know, they see a, a dog or a squirrel or something on TV. Or the doorbell goes on the TV. Or yeah. the doorbell goes on the TV. A lot of the time it's been reinforced because people think it's funny or they're just not knowing how to calm the dog down and they'll say things like, it's okay, buddy, it's okay, it's just the TV. Um, either way, that energy is rewarding the dog because you'll pet the dog, right, too, while you're saying that it's okay, it's just the TV. Um, and then the dog goes, oh, okay, so she likes when I bark when there's a dog on TV. I'm going to do that again. Because you get what you pet. Yeah. We're rewarding the wrong thing. It's the exact same thing. Desensitize, make sure that they don't um, respond to it. And, and how I do that is playing doorbell noises on YouTube and pretending like nothing happened, no big deal. Right, right. Our dogs just, they feed off of what we do and our energy around it. What you encourage, even unknowingly, is going to repeat itself. You kind of touched on something around encouraging your dog to, to bark. I mean, the other one that kind of comes to mind is, you know, when, when we hear people going like, speak, speak. Yeah. <laughs> and we're trying to, you know, we're trying to get them to bark on command. What are the risks with that? People always regret training their dog to speak on command because you are rewarding and with so many repetitions, bark. Yes, speak, bark. And it gets you a treat. It gets you a treat. It gets you praise. It gets you so many things. And so then they start to go, okay, I'm just going to go over to you and I'm going to bark and you're going to give me a treat, right? With or without the command. And so it, it backfires real quick. And maybe one last thing here, looking for a common denominator between all these scenarios, whether it's the doorbell, whether it's out the window or the TV, why is it important, you know, beyond barking just being really annoying and, and us getting fed up with it as humans, why is it important to curb that behavior? You know, is barking maybe a, a gateway into more destructive or more serious uh, obedience issues? Or what's your take on that? For sure. If we don't, I always tell my clients, if we don't address problem behaviors, they will worsen over time. They don't just go away. A dog doesn't just mature out of it. You have to train um, to fix those problem behaviors. And so let's go back to the doorbell. The very first one, if dogs are barking around the doorbell and we don't find a way to disagree and give them something else to do, then it's going to escalate to jumping up. And maybe it's just an excited dog, right, who, ju who jumps up. But if we're dealing with an anxious dog, a stressed out dog when the doorbell rings, and they start to learn to jump up, they might start to learn to nip or bite or become aggressive and show that they don't want someone else coming in their house. And then, and I've seen it, and I've seen it where clients become complete prisoners in their home because they then they just stop having anyone over. Mm. Like, we can't, we don't trust our dog, and they they don't, they don't deal with it then. And I, I really genuinely feel bad when people get in that space. And so it starts with barking. Start there. Do the training there. Don't let it escalate. I like this episode. I think this was, this was good. And I think this is going to help a lot of people because barking is so common. Yeah, I, I'm really glad you were able to, to kind of break down these common scenarios for barking. Talk about, you know, what's really driving them under the surface that and often times the barking is really just a symptom of something deeper and then give listeners some practical tips for how to intervene and ensure that you know barking doesn't escalate into something bigger so thank you liz as always you've been enlightening this has been great this has been a lot of fun thanks woof woof because the mail never stops are you writing me a thank you note email telephones fax machines you've got mail we get emails and comments every now and again from our listeners we love to hear from you here's one that we got from peter a suggestion for a future podcast taking your dog to friends who have a dog or they come to your house with their dog like the podcast thanks peter we like you too <laughs> peter's a great guy thanks for uh, reaching out so 
with that, that's a great question. So if you have a friend who wants to bring their dog over or you're going to a friend's house, you want to bring your dog, they've got a dog, I'm all for it. It's great socialization. How you can set the dogs up for success, because a lot of people can get nervous about those interactions, right? Um, and you are bringing your dog to another dog's territory. So to make it a super positive experience, my suggestion is always take the dogs on a walk together first. Do a walk so that they can burn some energy, but also they start to form a pack in that sense and they become accepting. So you don't even have to allow them to meet on leash. In fact, I wouldn't. I would just be like, okay, we're going on a walk. Um, and then when they come into the house together, they've already become familiar. They've already become accepting of each other. Um, so it will go a lot smoother. Um, if you really wanted to advance to like next step where inside the house you wanted something for the dogs to do so it wasn't crazy, I would do nap chat, do place with the dogs, each having their own bed, their own space, and then it's controlled, it's safe, and it's structured. Those are some great tips. I think that there's a ton of depth on this particular topic. So if it's okay with you, Liz, why don't we add this one to our list of topics? Maybe we do the one about bringing your dog to a friend's house. Sounds cool. Cool. If you've got an idea for an episode or a suggestion for a topic you'd like to hear covered. Or a question you want answered by yours truly. Drop us an email, hello at honestdogpodcast.com or slide right into our DMs on Instagram. Slip and slide. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment or a review. We'd love to hear from you. We release a new podcast weekly. Follow us on Instagram at honesttodogpodcast. Honest to Dog Podcast is hosted by Liz Foley and Jeff Gadway. The show is engineered, edited, and produced by me, Timothy Musa. Support for the podcast is provided by The Doghouse. For all things training and daycare, head over to their website, doghaus.ca.